0: being a super dad is not about being perfect it's about having a growth mindset and striving to become the very best version of ourselves what if there was a manual that helped you to improve your skills as a parent and find a solution to the greatest challenges you face with your kids becoming that best version of yourself parent tv is that resource it is filled with short and engaging videos by experts in their field it is where you can set up a personal profile for you and your kids and be pointed to the best information to help you become a better parent go to www.parenttv.com and use the coupon code SuperDad at checkout to save twenty dollars off your yearly membership a bargain not to pass up at just twenty nine dollars Now, without further ado, let's get on with the next episode of The Superdad Show.
1: Anything I can do to help promote the well-being of families and especially husbands and fathers, I am in.
2: Every day, it gives you a challenge to serve your spouse. And you can see your children or whoever you need to have a better relationship with. That's Jeff
0: Mask and Kirk Masters,
2: and you're listening
0: to episode 29 of Super Superdad Show. Today on The Superdad Show, we are joined by Jeff Mask and Kirk Masters. We are at the Digital Marketer Down Under Summit on the Gold Coast in Australia. And these amazing gentlemen have four kids each, I believe, and I would love them to share their personal story of triumph over tribulations in their life. So we might start by getting each of them to introduce themselves, tell us a little bit about where they live, uh, what their family history is,
1: and uh, and then go from there. So thank you, Jeff Mars, for joining us on the Superdad Show. My pleasure. Thank you. It's so it's so good to be here, and um, any anything I can do to help promote. The well-being of families and especially husbands and fathers, I am in. It's having been a husband and father for 18 years, it's very difficult but so rewarding. So mm. definitely grateful to be here. Mm. Thank you. And so can you tell us
0: a little bit about yourself for starters? What do you do for work? How old are your kids? Where you do you bet, live?
1: You bet, yes. So I, what I do for work is I help create happiness and joy with everyone around me by really doing their best work. Mm -hmm. What does that mean? I'm in software. What? (laughs) How do I do that? So I like to grow and run software companies, Mm -hmm. and I've been doing that for about 15 years or so. And in doing so, that's just a a medium for me to help lift and inspire and grow people. Um, And so I I work in business development and marketing and sales and customer success, you name it, um, and just loving to learn and grow and Mm -hmm. help people. As far as my family life, which is way more important than my means to an end of the work that I do every day, uh, is I've been married for 18 years to the most am- a- amazing woman on the planet, and I am a, a father of four kids, um, three boys and a girl. My oldest is 15, then a 13-year-old girl, uh, 11-year-old, and a 10-year-old. Mm. And um, they're they're been great. Actually, my my 10-year-old isn't quite 10 yet; he's nine. Yep. So, but we're, we're in birthday season, uh, but it's been great. I, and what did we do on stage today? What did you do on y- stage? Yeah, so my 11-year-old just turned and I said, you know, I'm here on the Gold Coast with 700 of my best friends and we sang happy birthday to my little Lincoln. So I actually just talked to him, I sent him the video and said, happy birthday, buddy. And we celebrated it before I left. And uh, I said, I want you to know I didn't forget it and I love you and Mm. sent him the video and he he just smiled and said, I loved it. Thank you. And and I said, I bought you extra Tim Tams and he said, yes. (laughs) (laughs) And you
0: know, the reason why we are actually sitting down is because I really connected with you and you asked what our why is. You asked all the audience and then you came up to me with a microphone and I said that my why was that I saw so many dads who were struggling to hold their marriage together and be patient and present with their kids and that I was one of them and I wanted support for myself and I wanted to improve myself as a dad, husband, and man and um, help others to do the same. Mm-hmm. And you really connected with that. You then got back on stage and you showed a picture of you and your wife and your four kids and then you told this heartfelt story which I'd love you to share which brought tears to my eyes.
1: Yeah, th- thank you. It was neat. We did have a great connection. I thought that's a good, that's a good way. Good job, buddy. I love it. Um, <laughs> What, what my journey is a bit unique in that as um, I found my, the love of my life, we were married, it was great. Uh, we went to have a little baby and a whole bunch of health and uh, complications occurred to where when we had our son, it was uh, very life-threatening for my wife. She mm. had a major blood clot in her left femoral vein. Her whole left leg was clotted. And because it had gone untreated for eight months, the doctors could not, um, they couldn't cure it. They couldn't Mm. help. No medicine would help. And any surgery would be more risky. And so they just kind of came to the conclusion, you're going to die. Mm. And uh, so we went to another doctor, same thing, went to another doctor, same thing, and just said, you'll likely die any day. And so Mm. we wish you the best. And we thought, (laughs) well... That's no way to live. And Mm. that's, that's not, it was super scary. And Mm. each night uh, we would hold each other. She was in so much pain and I'd help her breathe through the pain. And I would say, if in the morning you're still alive, I will be the best husband and father I can be. And if for some reason when we wake up and you're not with me, I will honor your name and be the best father I can be and take care of our son and honor your name. And it's hard for me to say it and not cry, but it's been now 15 years. And so I'm, you know, I've acclimated. But that journey was super difficult. And we had three months of that. And finally, she just sat up one day and said, look, I'm still alive. Mm. I'm going to live. I choose to live. I'm not going to be an invalid in my bed all day. Because she couldn't walk at all. I changed all the nappies. I changed, I did everything. She didn't do any of that Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. couldn't, wanted to, but Mm -hmm. couldn't. And finally she said, I choose to live. And what happened with that moment is we realized how deeply we did love each other. And I faced in my mind, what would it be like to not be with her? And so when I would get annoyed, Mm -hmm. because let's face it, as dudes, we get annoyed, we get impatient, we get selfish. And when I would have those moments, I would reflect and remember, what did it feel like when you were facing life without her in your mind? Mm. And it just put everything in perspective and helped me realize, okay, so what if she doesn't put the cap on the toothpaste, or so what if she is more emotional than me in this, and I don't understand that? I love her, and she's here with me, and I can hold her, and we can grow old together, and mm. that is a huge blessing.
0: So through all of that, you really learned not to sweat the small stuff. Right,
1: and, <laughs> and it's all small stuff. Yeah, it really yeah. is. Mm. And you know, I found the common denominator with most of the problems is selfishness. Mm. And I believe men are naturally more selfish than women. Of course, that's a generalization, but I believe men, just we kind of think about ourselves more. Mm. Whether it's how hungry we are, our, our sex drive, yeah. our need to be alone, mm. our, our guy time, whatever yeah. that may be. Yeah. And it's not that that's bad, but it, it, if it's not done in, in measures to where there's temperance, then it can get to the extreme. And I Mm. believe the more we can be selfishly engaged in the well-being and the happiness of our spouse and our Mm. kids, that's where you find true joy.
0: Mm. What would you say to a dad that is struggling with what seems to be a greater expectation on men these days to balance family and work life I know that there's so many dads in our group that really are struggling financially. Mm-hmm. Um, they're shutting down and not communicating very well with their partner and they're ending up in divorce because of a lot of this. Yep. You know, yeah. have you been through that yourself?
1: I have been for sure. Every, I, I believe this may be a stretch, but I believe every man has and to some extent it, which goes to this next fo- core fundamental for me and that is pride. Mm. Um, Pride commonly gets us, gets in the way, we allow it to get get in the way of, well, I should be doing this and I mm-hmm. should be making this money and mm-hmm. I should have this. All you're doing is comparing yourself to other people instead of just being grateful for where we are in the mm-hmm. moment and mm-hmm. being mm-hmm. grateful for the trial that we have been given to make us stronger. Yeah. And so as those thoughts have come yeah. to my mind and as I've talked with other dads who have yeah. been in that place, mm-hmm. I just remember the, the, the antidote to pride is humility mm. and love and yeah. figuring out, okay, how do I get over myself, because that's all that is, is, selfishness and pride, and get to work and serve other people. Mm. Things just take care of themselves when you're <laughs> serving others and when you are working through that. Now, that's not to say all financial problems go away, but it is to say, it puts it in perspective and mm. you can embrace the financial problem in a way that's different. My father raised six kids on a teacher's salary. My mom didn't work, yep. and we were always struggling. Never had enough. But in time, my parents learned and came to realize that became a great blessing to them because they learned to work through things together, which was very stressful, but it helped them get stronger.
0: Yeah. So you now work for Jump mm-hmm. um, and Infusion Soft, which is huge. So obviously, you've put yourself in an amazing financial position. But there has to have been times, obviously growing up where you um, you know coming from a very simple life without a lot of money, what was it that woke up the ambition in you to put in the amount of work to now be in such a such a strong financial position?
1: That's a great question. Um, a deeper purpose, and that that deeper purpose is. I'm going to get spiritual here, and hopefully that's okay. Mm. I I believe each of us is a son and a daughter of God. And I think too commonly we forget who we are. Mm. And I lived in Argentina for two years and was in very, very impoverished areas Mm. with dirt floors and small little shanties. And it was very difficult for Mm. many people, yet Mm. I saw happiness in me. And I realized when they know who they are, true joy can abound and too many people in this world don't have that and so my motive to to create wealth is to then serve missions for my church and to (laughs) spread that light to people around the world so whenever i am anywhere i try to think what would god think about this person because i'm kind of annoyed right now by so and so but i realize well I, i don't know them well enough If I don't like them, I don't know them well enough. Because God wouldn't Mm. be annoyed. He would see the true beauty and true joy of that person. Let's let's find that. And then make it a game to determine what that is. And so by living for other people and their happiness, wealth becomes a means to an end of finding more happiness. When wealth is the end, that's where pride and selfishness comes in. Mm. And it's all to look good or to have this. And it's like, well, to what end? And wealth isn't a bad thing money isn't a bad thing the love of money is where we have issues but if money is there as a medium to build and lift and inspire Mm. and grow Mm. I believe it's there in abundance but when we look at it from a limited scarce perspective that I have to have and it's not fair it's not what we need at the moment because we haven't been worthy stewards to Mm. receive that yet. Mm.
0: and finally what is your definition of this idea of a super dad what is a super dad to you
1: a super dad is someone who is self-aware about their selfishness and pride constantly striving to be better constantly asking for forgiveness and putting action plans in place to be better we're always going to fall we're always going to mess up we just it's just human nature especially with dudes (laughs) we have a tendency to mess up more than others i think myself in the leader of that Um, but as I am show grace with myself and forgive myself and strive to be best while I push selfishness and pride away I know I'll get better the other thing is I believe a true man knows how to express love and is not afraid of expressing love verbally Mm. and physically especially Mm. with his children yes and I believe a, a strong hug a wrestling match Uh, I'm going to grab my my children's face in between, my hands between their face and look them square in the eye and tell them, do you know how grateful I am that I get to be your dad? It's the best! And just to watch them go, thanks dad, you know. And it's a little cheesy sometimes, but I just want them to hear it and see it and to let them know, it's my blessing that I get to be your dad. I'm the privileged one. And when I can express that, it's great. And then when I mess up, which I do, I say, I'm so sorry. I shouldn't have yelled. I shouldn't have done that. I lost my patience. Can you help me be better? And can you forgive me? So they see, yeah, we mess up and we ask for forgiveness and we move through it. Superdads, I want you to pause the podcast
0: right now. I want you to go grab your kids, put their head in your hands and tell them exactly that. That is just beautiful. That made me emotional because I thought that's
1: exactly what I'm going to do as soon as I get home to my kids. I've been away for two days. I can't wait to see them. It's the best. And pro tip, here's what I've learned. Having four, if you do that in front of the others, it's not as special. So when I put them to bed Mm. at night, I'll put them to bed. Maybe we'll sing a song, read a story, whatever that may be. And then I'll leave their room. And then I'll come back. And say, and do just that. Just when it's just me and what them super alone, tip It's the oh best. And just to watch it. them go. Oh, and you can see the security and confidence that comes in them when mm. they feel deeply loved. Yeah. It's the best. And that to me is what we're here on earth yeah. to do. Help God's children yeah. feel loved so they can return to live with Him. That's mm. why I'm on this earth. And you know, before I actually left to come down
0: here to the Gold Coast... I actually walked into my daughter's room and she was the first one awake and she was wide awake and sort of lying in bed and she uh, she had a little iPad actually and she, um, I came in and I looked at her, I looked her square in the eyes and she was like, what, what? And I just had this big smile on my face and I said, just wanted to let you know how much I love you and she just melted with joy. It was just
1: beautiful. That's it it's the best thank There's you nothing Jeff better. thank no, you for, thank for sharing you. your story thank you I'm so excited about your purpose and what you're doing to help change the world and help more dads be super dads and we can do it the, I think we get in our way of saying I can never do that I'm not mm. good enough that's, that's not true mm. we can all do it and as we look at our children as sons and daughters of God with him we can do all things that's it's beautiful. beautiful Kirk Masters hello I would
0: love, 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 love to know more about you. You shared a small part of your story, which I know can be so much bigger.
2: Well, it sure is wonderful hearing Jeff's experiences. I, I respect Jeff quite a bit. Uh, so yeah, I've, let's start with who I am. I'm, I like to describe myself as an immigrant son. Uh, I come from what could have been a very dysfunctional family, but it did not turn out that way. Mm. Uh, my mom escaped out of East Germany Uh, after World War II, and my dad was a Depression-era child. He grew up on a farm in in Idaho, and he was the youngest of 13 children. And my great-grandfather, my grandfather was born in 1874, so my father never really knew his his older brothers and sisters very well, and Mm -hmm. my mother was torn from her family at the age of 17 when she left by herself to come over to the United States, Mm -hmm. and they met at church. Uh, a destitute, poor farm boy and a and a worn-torn uh, immigrant girl oh, yeah. who was trying to start a new life. Mm. And they stuck to each other like glue. They could barely talk to each other. And that's kind of how the master's family started. Mm. So I base a lot of experiences on, on their life story. Uh, but it's, it's definitely helped me become a better dad in many respects, which I can share, of course.
1: Mm,
0: mm. And please do. How has that helped you to be a better dad?
2: Well, so my dad when he was growing up uh from his stories he got uh physically abused you'd call it now but back Mm -hmm. then it was just boys being boys right and his older brothers would would treat him quite harshly and my grandfather was quite old when he had my dad he was in his late 50s and 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 so in the early 20s my grandfather uh had a motorcycle accident on one of the first indians that were made back then Mm. He became an invalid, basically. And so they were very, very poor. And my father decided, instead of being angry about life, he decided he would choose to have love in his life. Uh, He still had bitterness for some things, but he chose Mm. not to project that to others. And Mm. my mother, who escaped from East Germany, uh, could have been bitter also. She was starved during the war. Uh, Her relatives were all in prison camps. and But yet she chose to not hold that anger inside and she rather would just move forward with happiness and joy and, uh, and the things that she now had in mm. a free country. Mm. So mm. that helped me have a perspective of two people who I knew had gone through a hard time mm-hmm. but they chose to have a better attitude about what they didn't get and what they did get.
1: Mm.
2: So that that got me on a, on a trajectory to, to having someone to say. But I was, I was, I was, you know, the, the, classic American dumb kid because though I knew I had a heritage uh, I was very unaware of anything but myself as Jeff kind of alluded you know boys and men can be quite selfish mm. and it takes usually life experiences to get them out of that and I was no exception to that rule for sure so my story is a little bit uh, is, is kind of similar to Jeffs but a little bit different uh, I met my wife after uh, after a college and and I wanted to be a professional motorcycle race racer on really? crotch rockets yeah and wow. uh and so i had moved near to a track where my parents lived in arizona after they retired and i met my wife i we were at a social uh social gathering for church on a monday uh called family home evening and it was for the young younger uh non-married adults and I pull up on my motorcycle in Arizona in August, which is mm-hmm. crazy hot, and I had a full race Kevlar suit on. Now, she's from Idaho, and, and I had noticed her before, she's quite cute. And, and, but she you know, was always, always had a bunch of people around her, so I never had the courage to go say hello to her. But it was just me and her in the room for some reason. And I get off and I, in my own motorcycle, I come in, and the first thing she thinks in her mind is, this guy's crazy. Why is he wearing a snowmobile outfit? In the middle of summer. So she thought I was coming from, you know, because she rode snowmobiles in Idaho, right? So she looks at me, she says, are you hot? I'm like, well, yeah, I guess so. And that's how our relationship started. Um,
0: because you talking to me and you looked really good in your suit. No, I knew.
2: I, knew. I, I, I kid with her on you know, on that, but I knew she meant I was like a, a, a dumb butt for wearing, you know, a Kevlar suit. and It's 104 degrees. It was like it was like 44, 45 that day in mm-hmm. Aussie terms. And it's just, anyways. Um, but I really liked her, and so we started dating. And it took two years for us to, to decide to get married. Uh, But but my journey with becoming a better dad really happened when I was given the gift of cancer, and 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 you know you might think well wow it's not really a gift that somebody really wants to get on Boxing Day right or but but I I I got it and we had our first kid and we our first year of marriage was pretty rough we were you know first year in any marriage can be hard but you know you getting you know each other and arguments and you don't know how to respond when somebody says something that you don't like and. Your, all of your self worth, you know, you try not to. It seems to be wrapped up in how that person feels about you, and so if anything goes wrong, you feel destroyed, and, mm-hmm. and you want to lash out. And so we had a lot of, you know, just dumb fights that first year, and and it just I didn't know. She always used to say, "You don't know how to love." me you don't know true love is I'm like what's true love I don't know what it's like a storybook you know I love you but she goes no, it's true love Mm. and you know Jeff was right it comes down to just selfishness you know uh, physically emotionally spiritually and 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 I had to do a lot of soul-searching and that soul searching came as a gift in cancer and uh, we bought a house uh, when the market was just getting going and we were living in the house and, and I was a little more trying to be sensitive to spiritual things. And, and I got this impression that I was supposed to sell the house. Now we just had our first kid and we just moved into this house. and we have been there for about two years. And she's like, I don't want to sell the house. I like the house. And I was like, I know, but we should sell it. We need to sell it. We can make some money on it. And we can go buy two other houses, you know, 20 miles south where it's a little bit cheaper, have a rental house and a, and a property we live in. Yep. So she felt the same way. She felt like, okay, we should do it. She trusted me. And we sold the house and we made uh, about $100,000 on it, which is big money for a newlywed couple, right? Mm-hmm. And we paid off student loans and paid off a small car loan. And at the end of it, we had about 75000 left over. And so I used some of that money to put a down payment on another house and another house. Long story short, we had a rental house in our main house. And she was pregnant with our second by that time. And, you know, I I didn't want her moving our house when it's super hot out. So I sent her to Idaho to her parents. Said you go up there for a few weeks, I'll move the houses. And that's when my backache started to happen. And I thought, well, it's just a crappy mattress I've been sleeping on from my parents' house in between the house moves. But... We got worse and worse, and uh, we got moved into our new house. And it got to the point where I was literally hardly able to walk. I'd go to work, and I would lay on the floor at work with my foot propped up on a garbage can, and I would just try to work with the pain. And her dad's a doctor, and we went on vacation to Mexico, and he watched me the whole week. And when we drove back, he took sat us down. He said, "I think Kirk has cancer. He has every indication he has cancer." So we went and got an X-ray and some blood tests, and sure enough, I, I was in stage four non-Hodgkin's lymphoma, and I had a tumor growing on my sciatica nerve. And we were pregnant with number two, two mortgages, 1.5 kids on the way, and I, you know, was in. I had a good job on a career at a university, and I get this. And now, when that happens. Um, you know, you go through the whole emotion of, I'm going to die, and that's scary because you've never done that before. Mm. But, but really, I used a lot of my faith that no matter what would happen, that would happen. What's that? I don't know. You know, it was scary. But I started to have to go through this journey of really relying on God. And you know, through all the process, instead of saying, why me, which is very tempting to do, you know, why would I marry this beautiful woman and she agrees to be my my, my, my spouse? Mm. And then we have children and I have a house and I have a job, why would this happen? I, I knew that was kind of a dumb thing to say, mm. because life is fragile. And anytime you put value in your life, you have to have the understanding that value might be taken from you, not because you deserve it, but because it just happens. Mm. And so being aware of, of how fragile life is was the first time I started thinking, I need to love what's in front of me now. So I go through my chemo treatments uh, and she was right there next to me every every step of the way. And you know, my daughter was great. Uh, every time I'd be throwing up in the toilet, my, my two-year-old daughter would run in and say, daddy's tummy hurts. And I'm like, in between throwing up, I'd say, yeah, and I'd go out and, and just barfing all over the place and, but, Every time I had pain, every time I would go through more treatments, um, I relied on one very, very important thing. Now, and again, I'm going to go spiritual on this too, as Jeff kind of alluded. Yep. Um, I believe in Jesus Christ. And I believe that, you know, Jesus Christ came to this earth not only just to atone for our sins and to help us get back to our Heavenly Father, but realistically, His sole purpose in coming down was to go through what I termed the atonement, which means he had to feel everything that I would go through in my life, all of my good, all of my bad, all of my hurt, all of my joy, so that he could be my, my advocate with the Father. So when I die, if I've tried my best to repent of the stupid things that I do every day, mm-hmm. and try not to repeat them, I believe that he will go before me and say, Kirk tried to do the best he could, he was a bit of a moron, kind of a hardhead. But he followed, as far as he could, the things I asked him to do. He asked for forgiveness, tried to not do those things. Please let him in, right? Simplified, but... So what I would do is, when I had to go in for my bone marrow transplant, uh, which is an elective procedure where you get the mother of all chemotherapy, and you're, like, literally, your, your cells are brought down to the lowest level so that anything could kill you, a Mm. bloody nose. If you sneeze wrong and you get a rupture, if you pick your nose and you get an infection, I wasn't allowed to clip my nails, I wasn't allowed to brush my teeth, I wasn't allowed to push when I go number two, you're not allowed to do that, you just have to let it come out. So I get the chemo treatment and all my cells are dropping and then they bring your stem cells back to you, whether from it's a donor or from yourself, mine were from myself, it's a whole other story. Mm. But they put the cells back in your body with the hope that those stem cells go back and reboot, in essence, everything that's broken. Mine didn't take very fast. And so after three weeks, my body was still in a a, a declining state. I was down to 124 pounds, which was quite light, right? Uh, I wasn't really eating. I was getting infections all the time. And my family couldn't come and see me because I was so susceptible to anything. Oh, gosh. And so we... And right before I did that procedure, we had just had our second kid. So I saw her maybe three weeks and then I went into my procedure. So you have a wife who's at home with two kids, newborns, two houses. I'm in the hospital nonstop. Like I've basically been living in the hospital. And one night when my fevers had kicked up and I had a fever of a, like 104, 105, mm-hmm. I was down to 124 pounds. And I felt my life essence leaving me that night. I was very sick. And I realized that that night I was going to die. And I remember laying in bed by myself, nobody around except beeping sounds and even the nurses were gone. And I was alone, as alone as I think somebody could possibly be. And I remember I said a prayer out loud and I said, Heavenly Father, if I'm gonna die tonight, I don't wanna start my next chapter in life angry because I believe in a next life. And I said, I I don't want to be angry. I don't want to accomplish this life and then have that as my first memory coming into the spirit realm and being pissed off because my beautiful wife's going to marry some other guy who's a schlep and then my kids are going to grow up with him and I'm sure he's a good guy if he would have been. You know, all the things I wanted to experience, I wasn't going to be a grandfather. I couldn't be a missionary. I couldn't be a father. And like, Mm. I was mad.
1: Mm.
2: And... At that moment, when I ended that prayer, the Holy Ghost came into my heart. And this is the beautiful thing about, you know, having a connection with God. The Spirit came into my heart and it whispered to me and filled my soul with joy and said this to me. I couldn't hear it audibly, I heard it inside. Whatever happens tonight, you'll be okay. And it wasn't the words that made me comforted. It was the feeling that was given to me surrender Uh, Surrender, yes but it was a gift a gift of my Heavenly Father looking out for me and helping change my emotional and mental state at that moment not unlike when I was a child and lost in the supermarket and I'm like where's my mom and she finds me the first thing you do when she gives you you start crying because everything comes out and you feel so much happiness and joy at that moment I believed that everything would be okay. Not that I would live, but that if I died, it would be okay. If I lived, it would be okay. Now, spoiler alert, I woke up the next morning. I didn't die. Uh, but I believe that Jesus Christ went through that pain for me so that I could rely on him. Because I knew that there was if I was all alone in that room, there was one person that knew what I went, was going through, and that was Jesus. Because he had to go through that for me to be my savior it's not just he repent I repented of my sins because he took them from me it's any sickness I went to when I got spinal meningitis when I got uh, pneumonia when I got uh, mono all because of my keep my bone marrow transplant any sicknesses I knew he had to go through that for me so projecting forward how does that make me a better father well it helped me understand how important life is in creating love and my wife. And
0: loving what's in front of you. I love those words that you shared yeah. just just a little while back.
2: And what that's enabled me to be able to do is now I don't... I'm still a selfish being. I am. But I'm aware of it. And I'm aware of when I'm being a prick to my wife. I'm aware of when I'm being, you know, bossy and a helicopter parent to my, my kids. Right. So I live by a motto now. And I live by it and I tell it to every guy I meet success in marriage is many things but for me my ingredient my main ingredient is god first my wife second and my children third and that at any time i can say i'm sorry and i can change and i do it on a routine basis i'm sorry honey i shouldn't have said that and i will apologize to my wife in front of my kids if i've if i've been lippy mm-hmm. right? if i've said something i shouldn't have kids that was not right of that's being a
0: great role model yeah
2: yeah. And they need to see that yep. and I, all the time kids I shouldn't have been annoyed at anybody especially mom mom I'm sorry you know yeah. uh, and, and I, I do that and you know we have more good times than, than bad but the point is, is that when is it that, that, that in our relationships as a, as a father do our children need to see us the best they need to see us the best when we're at our worst meaning when we have had those weak moments where we will have yeah. weak moments it's how do we respond back to that Natalia, I'm so sorry. I really should have been more sensitive to you. Can you forgive I'm sorry, I'm getting emotional. Can you forgive your dad? You know, Malia, can you forgive me for just not thinking? You know, and the same thing with my two and four year old. I have a fifteen year old, a thirteen year old, and then we took a break and we have now a four year old and a two year old. Two girls, two boys. And it's the same thing I do with the boys, you know? Do I get down to eye level when I need to correct them? Do I get down eye level with my boys when I need to love them, when I'm telling them how great they They are? are? Um, Now, I will say this, and this doesn't get addressed as much as it should. We're men. Addiction is the number one marriage killer. Pornography, masturbation. Those two things are the absolute worst secrets to have with your marriage. Mm. And I would admonish any man to not be ashamed of having an addiction to pornography and masturbation, but to just go to Heavenly Father and say, I can't get over this by myself, help me. And to move past it, because you're hiding that from your wife, you're hiding it from from your family. Secrets kill a marriage. Yeah, and you know what pornography does to a man, and nobody talks about it enough, it makes him angry. It makes him very angry. And you'll find that not only are you more angry with the little things, but you're more susceptible to, to, to having darkness in your life. And who is it that's creating pornography? It's men, enslaving other men. Angry men enslaving other angry men. People say pornography doesn't hurt, it sure does. It destroys marriages, it destroys men and women. It's, even, it's getting bad with women now. Mm-hmm. But when men have issues with pornography, they can't be good fathers, they can't be good husbands. And it always goes in reverse. You have to be a good husband to be a good father. And of course, marriages break up and that's unfortunate. But it doesn't mean that that you can't try again because the true nature of the family is a husband and a wife. Two people living in harmony with God's will to help them move forward in their life. Now you might have men who are married to men and women who are married to women that's a whole other subject and I don't condone anybody for trying to find <clears throat> happiness sure. but it comes down to when you hold anything sacred in your heart like love you can't have things like addiction for pornography and for men especially so to be a good dad give up the pornography how do you do that well you go back and figure out why you need it and you take 21 days to do rehab and there's plenty of places you can go to rehab and change your chemistry in your brain but
0: you know, um, just to let you know, the last episode uh, that I released of The Super Dad Show was with an American gentleman called Bob Gardner, who actually helps men to overcome porn addiction. Mm-hmm. So you know, it's it's a it's a great message that you're sharing here. Right.
2: I, I did a whole lot of study on pornography, and it comes down to addiction. Uh, the human body is wired to become addicted to just about anything that it wants. Uh-huh. and It can be cigarettes, it can be drugs, it can be pornography. It all does the same thing to the brain. It changes the dopamine in the brain. It changes the sensories in the brain. And you basically have to rewire your brain giving up an addiction, whether it's pornography or heroin or cigarettes or coffee or alcohol, anger, selfishness. Those are all addictions. And when you've done that, you can start becoming a better person. Um, uh, and, And it so if you have a pornography addiction forgive yourself but you could be addicted to heroin at the same time it's just getting over the addiction and you can't have a successful relationship with anybody when you're addicted Um, but yeah I'd say you know if I was to to summarize like you asked Jeff the question what's it to be a super dad I have I have a similar take to him but for me being a super dad is being aware that you're flawed and not condoning, your con- condemning yourself, mm-hmm. not condoning it also, mm-hmm. but s- being able to serve those you love with a humble heart and saying, "I'm flawed. I'm sorry, but I will try to do better." Mm-hmm. And I will tell you this: um, the one thing that really helped my marriage, and I'll plug a book here, is uh, oh, I just forgot it. Hang on, <laughs> I'll remember it in a minute. Um, the Love Dare. Have the you ever heard of the day. Love Dare? No, I haven't. Fantastic. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a movie that Kurt Cameron did called Fireproof and hes it's a movie about him having a pornography addiction yeah. and destroying his marriage but in the last moment of his marriage being destroyed he has this gentleman who says you need to do love dare here's the book and the book is you're spending a certain amount of days doing nothing but service every day it gives you a challenge to serve your spouse and you could say your children or mm. whoever you need to have a better relationship with but it is with no reciprocity, meaning I am serving unequivocally out of a desire to get nothing in return. Give a compliment, don't expect a compliment back. Give uh, Cook a meal, don't expect anything in return. Yeah. And you do that and the idea is little by little as you serve unselfishly with anybody, but it's specifically your spouse or mm-hmm. your children, mm-hmm. that that then creates where once was no love or a dying love, it will resurrect that love because you're serving selflessly. In that book, I did that and without telling my wife and it helped me not only get over my anger and my selfishness, but it helped me be able to rekindle the love with her because I started seeing her as a different person with zero expectations on my side. So I would definitely, if, you, if, you, if, you, if any dad out there is struggling with relationships, uh, the love dare was a fantastic book and it's not a reading book. It's you read a little bit of it, but then it goes to, okay, you're ready to start your day one challenge? Day one, do this. And you have to do it without expecting anything in return, like I said before. And it, it makes you crazy.
0: No, I really appreciate um, that recommendation because I think that, that is something I would love to input into Super Dads. I think that idea of each week having a dare Oh, it's every day, every day, every day, every day. Yeah, every day. Yeah, yeah.
2: And, and I, I, it was very frustrating because the first week I instituted it, like I, the natural man in me, wanted to have a compliment for what I just did. Mm-hmm. Like, well, you should thank me because I did this. And when I didn't get that, I had to realize that's my problem: is mm-hmm. I'm expecting something in return. Mm-hmm. Where if I just give unselfishly, I'm full of love. Yeah.
0: Well. I think I'm going to have to call this episode, God is the greatest super dad ever. Um, <laughs> Something like that. I would agree. Um, there's, there's been a real theme of, you know, um, of belief and belief beyond adversity and, and God coming in and giving you guys the strength to come over, uh, to overcome some very difficult times in your life. And that idea of us being flawed, you know, I, I think... I was telling Jeff, you know, my definition of a super dad is that it's not about being perfect; it's about striving to become the very best version of ourselves, having a growth and solution-focused mindset. And uh, and I guess you know, when you talk about you know giving it up to God, and and um, you know, in that moment in the hospital, feeling like you were going to die, and then you know, that that message that you received, it's it's just such a, a positive thing that you know you need to you need to love what's in front of you you know love the future love who mm-hmm. you are now moving forward because you have that opportunity to do better agreed so thank you so much for joining us on this
2: opportunity we appreciate it
0: good man and to our listeners uh, i will see you on the next episode thank you for joining us whether you're a dad or not, if you listen to the show and you love what you heard, please go to www.patreon.com/superdads online and sign up as a patron for just $5. In exchange, I will send you a coupon code to use in our superfamiliesonline.com merchandise store and you can get $5 off your first purchase and order a super dad, Mum, kid, or teen t-shirt and other merchandise. Hear me on the next episode of The Super Dad Show. Thanks for listening.